Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. So today we're in James 2, and this is actually a chapter that really challenges me. It challenges me to do more. It challenges me in who I am and who I am in Christ. So before we start reading, let's go to God in prayer. Lord, thank you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for not never giving up on me. And thank you for dying for me. I just thank you for the fact that you, the creator of the world, care about me. And I know I'm not the most faithful. I know I don't do the best things. I know I'm sinful and at times woefully and willfully sinful, yet you still forgive me and you give me grace. So Father, I pray as we read through this chapter that you would open our hearts and our minds and our spirits, that you would help us to understand what it is we are to do and what we are to take from it. What's the message that we should take? I just pray it be your Holy Spirit that guides us. Nothing from me, everything from you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, James has always been a little bit of a challenge for me. <clears throat> Historically, I've always questioned it. Not questioned it, but questioned me after I read it. Am I doing enough? Am I living for God? And am I demonstrating it? Am I living in a faith-filled life or not? And then I see people like Tim Tebow and, and Billy Graham and Greg Laurie and all these others who are changing millions of lives. And I think about myself and I question, you know, am I doing what I need to do? So with that, I always wanted to, I always come back to James where it challenges me, <clears throat> which is why after reading Proverbs, Genesis, Mark, Matthew, I wanted to come back to James and be challenged and really try to understand more fully about living faithfully, not just believing, but having a faith-filled life where I live on faith <clears throat> and not just understanding that and accepting Christ's grace and mercy. So with that, let's go into chapter 2, verse 1. My brothers and sisters, believers, are, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you. But say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit on the floor by my feet. You have not, dis you, have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Sorry, there's a lot of things going through my mind on this. One thing is, is that I need to, you know, we, we need to understand that James is writing to a church that's very discriminated against. It's oppressed. It's constantly under attack. It's being persecuted, and therefore there's a lot of poverty amongst their believers. So he's coming back out to his, his church members and saying, look, you can't, when there's rich people, you can't show them favoritism against your, you know, as opposed to your, you know, your poor brethren. And most likely there were a lot more poor than there were wealthy. Verse 5, listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith? and inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him. 
but you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, your sin and you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of all. For who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have broken, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without, your, without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good, even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, and not by faith alone. In the same way, not, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did? when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So this is what always you know, strikes me. Faith without actions. And I guess the question I always have to ask is, is it big actions? Is it outward actions? Or is it a change in who we are? Did you go from, like me, someone who lied, cheated, swore, did all these bad things in my, you know, never convicted or anything like that, but just didn't, didn't really, wasn't a very nice guy. Did you go from, did you go from that to someone who stopped lying, someone who stopped cheating, someone who reduced their swearing? Did your life change in some way? And there's some action. Did you now start giving money to the person standing on the corner? Did you suddenly stop doing some action and change it? Is that faith with deeds? Yeah, it is. But then are you now convicted to do more? And that's where I always wind up is I'm convicted to do more. 
And if I don't do those, the, take those additional steps, that's where I struggle. Because at times I harden my heart to those steps. And other times I do them. But which is it? Am I, and so that's really where, you, where I've always come back to James. It's such a challenge to me. Because it challenges me to live the faith-filled life. And not just to say, I'm living a faith life. I have faith, but I have no actions. So let's see what A.W. Tozer has to say. His, his perspective on some of this is a little bit different. He doesn't go into the faith and deeds section. He covers James five, which is or James two, verse five, which says, says, listen, dear, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? Tozer writes, we might well pray for God to invade and conquer us, for until, we, until he does, we remain in peril from a thousand foes. We bear within us the seeds of our own disintegr- disintegration. Our moral imprudence pus- puts us always in danger of accidental or reckless self-destruction. The strength of our flesh is an ever-present danger to our souls. Deliverance can come to us only by the defeat of our old life. That whole, that, that, those two sentences, our moral imprudence puts us always in danger of accidental or reckless destruction, self-destruction. The strength of our flesh is an ever-present danger to our souls. That is so powerful to me because I, I am constantly challenged by my, by my flesh. And it's always a danger to me. And that's the, the daily fight that I, I have. Myself is, is the greatest. Myself is strong. And I fight it all the time. Safety and peace come only from after safety and peace come only after we have been forced to our needs, knees. God rescues us by breaking us, by shattering our strength and wiping out our resistance. Then he invades our natures with an ancient and eternal life which is from the beginning. So he conquers us and by that benign conquest saves us for himself. With this open secret awaiting easy discovery, why do we in almost all our busy activities work in another direction from this? Why do we build our churches upon human flesh? Why do we set such store by that which the Lord has long ago repudiated and despise those things which God holds in such high esteem? For we teach men not to die with Christ, but to live in the strength of their dying manhood. We boast not in our weakness, but in our strength. Values which Christ has declared to be false are brought back into evangelical favor and promoted as the very life and substance of Christian way. How eagerly do we seek the approval of this or that man of worldly reputation? How shamefully do we exploit the converted celebrity? Anyone will do to take away the reproach of obscurity from our public publicity hungry leaders, famous athletes, congressmen, world travelers, rich industrialists. Before such, we bow with obsequent smiles and honor them in our public meetings and in the religious press. Thus we glorify men to enhance the standing of the church of God and the glory of the, of the Prince of life is made to hang upon the transient fame of a man who shall die. 
It is amazing that we claim to be followers of Christ and yet take so lightly the words of his servants. We could not act as we do if we took seriously at the admonition of James, the servant of God. So Tozer always comes back to the church has lost its way and is focusing upon the worldly men. Now these men may be saved or these people may be saved and they're great celebrities and it's adding to you know, help bring more recognition. But he, he points to that those men are temporal. That what we really need to go back to is that deliverance can come to us only by the defeat of our old life. Safety and peace come only after we have been forced to our knees. God rescues us by breaking us, by shattering our strength and wiping out our resistance. Then he invades our natures with that ancient and eternal life which is from the beginning. So he conquers us, and by that benign conquest, saves us for himself. All the things that we do are where where we focus on the world and the famous is, is temporary where we have to focus on being on our knees, being broken before God and allowing him to restore us in the image that he wants. Tozer always gets to the point of things with me anyway. So tomorrow we're in the taming of the tongue. Another challenge for this guy. And that's why James is such a challenging book for me. It's great and it challenges me in so many ways. So far, it continues down that path. Faith and deeds, deeds and faith. Just looking at the things in such different ways. Not just listening, but doing, having trials and temptations. Not showing favoritism, faith and deeds. And now tomorrow, taming the tongue. So many things that I struggle with. I thank God for this book. I just pray for his strength that I could actually fulfill some of these challenges or live up to them. So with that, let's go to God in prayer. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your book of James. It's such a challenge to me. And I just pray for your help in living it and changing my ways so that there is no favoritism, that there isn't you know, faith without action, that I would live a faithful life. And that would mean that there's action because I've been changed. And so Lord, I just pray for you to help provide the strength to do these things. I love you. And I thank you in Jesus's name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me. It's just a guy on his journey back to God. I hope you have a great day.